Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. This episode's guest is Mike Cherry, co-owner of the play-by-post website, The Tangled Web. Mike is an English teacher with a love for all things RPG and got into play-by-post when his life got too busy for a weekly TTRPG game. Mike explains the advantages of play-by-post and why he really fell in love with the method. He also shares some advice on making your game awesome no matter how you choose to play. Enjoy! My name is Mike and I am one of seven player owners of the tangledweb.net, um, a play-by-post website for tabletop role-playing gaming. The seven of us got together last summer in June 2020 and purchased the site from its longtime owner and uh, have done a big overhaul and we've really had a lot of fun with it. We've it, It's been really exciting. I, I had been a player in play-by-post and a player at the site since 2011. So when the chance came along to be a part of a team and, and to promote and really expand uh, the Tangled Web, I was excited because I had sort of had a, a home away from home there for year, for almost a decade without ever paying a dime. So I, I was really excited to, to get to be a bigger part of it. I've been a role player and a, a gamer my entire life. I remember playing Empire and Incunabula and these really, like, really ugly text-based games with my dad on the old PC back in the 80s and we would you know switch the console back and forth for each other's turns um, and then I got really into Japanese role-playing games on the NES and Sega and and then eventually into the gold box computer role-playing games for for um, Dungeons and Dragons and and obviously Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance and all those things so I, I've come by it pretty honestly and I'm 38 years old and I've been gaming for probably 34 of those years so it's it's been a pretty good stretch of role-playing for me that is so you mentioned lots of different kinds of RPGs but how did you get into TTRPGs specifically so it it really was through computer role-playing games it was through the gold box games I grew up in a very small town. I said I was from near Albany earlier in upstate New York, but that doesn't really tell the story. I was from a town with more cows than people. So there was no gaming store. There was no hobby group. There was no D&D, you know, local sessions. It just, it wasn't really part of the zeitgeist of where I grew up. So I got my geekery solo. I played, you know, Eye of the Beholder 3, Assault on Myth Dranner, and Pools of Radiance, and um, the original Dragonlance games. And, and honestly, I got into TTRPGs because I didn't understand half of what I was seeing in those games. They would talk about Thacko, and I couldn't figure out why I was winning or losing. So I, I got the, um, the AD&D player handbook and read it cover to cover long before I ever got a chance to play with anybody, long before I ever knew anybody to actually run a game or run one myself. So I was, uh, I was more of a, a scholar and researcher in AD&D and, and role-playing mechanics long before I ever actually got a chance to play. Everyone's got their own journey into it, but it's, it's interesting. Did you order the book um, from a, a magazine or, or from something like that to, to get a hold of it, or did you buy it from Amazon? Or No, I ordered my player's handbook from the back of an amazing spider-man magazine like they always used to have like the little order forms and i uh, this is true my parents ran a print shop they did like a local tv guide and whatnot and i uh was so horrified at the idea of like, cutting 
this Spider-Man comic to buy, to buy this thing that I really wanted. I went to their into their shop and used the photocopier. And this is back before, you know, everybody had a photocopier with a printer. I, that was the only way I would do it is I used my photocopied order form from my parents' office so I could buy it. That time, the, the you know, the 80s, I really was, I was one of the few kids I knew who even, who even cared about any of that stuff. I was like the geek pretending to be a jock. Like I would do three sports a year, but then when all my friends would like pass out and go to sleep, I would go and like read Dragonlance novels. And I was, I was trying to get people to read A Song of Fire and Ice when it first came out. Like I was reading it at 14 and I'm like, this is going to be really good. And people are like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, ugh. Someday you'll someday you'll appreciate it. And it just took HBO and a hundred million dollars to make them appreciate it, but it turned out I was right. <laughs> yeah, it did. You proved prophetic. I was there. I, I freshman year of high school, man. I was right into it. I was so excited. <laughs> so when was your first experience running the game? What was it like? You know, do you remember what kind of game you were running and how it turned out? I never ran in person session before I did um, before I did play by post with the tangled web um, and then some other sites so I I was a player briefly in games I tried in high school and it was mostly a disaster I did play a little bit in college like my hometown it was a pretty small school pretty conservative school you know obviously nothing against this but pretty religious school not a big D d presence not a big tabletop role-playing presence so i played as a player a little bit they were always sort of one shots a little bit of rolling dice and you know sort of greasy pizza type game and that was fun but it wasn't until i discovered play by post that i both ran a game and actually got kind of good at role-playing um i think so i joined the tangled web back in 2011 i discovered play by post right around when i was becoming a dad and i knew i wouldn't have time for long gaming sessions so i the little bite-sized chunks of play by post really appealed to me and i was a player in a game for maybe a month or so and i started to get antsy and realizing that i really wanted to run a story so I had been playing Final Fantasy Tactics on uh, PlayStation, and the final battle of that game is on an airship graveyard. And I thought to myself, that'd be a cool place to set a story. Like, imagine, like, there's just a world where, like, you know, people are digging down to go, like, farming, and suddenly they run into an airship graveyard. I wonder what happened. That was just the hook. That was the game. I was supremely arrogant in thinking that DMing would be easy, be no bumps in the road, and there certainly were, but I was very lucky. I got a really good group of players. I got um, a great introduction to the hobby, and I actually ran that story for four years. Um, by the time we were done, there were actually about 30,000 in-character posts, and we played the heck out of that story. We ran it from level one Pathfinder, first edition, all the way to, I think we finished at level 12 when the story ended. So we had a lot of fun and learned a lot of lessons, and I think I'm better at it now, but um, I definitely took the approach of just dive in and try to say yes and try to do a choose your own adventure type story where let the players help me build a world. And it was very collaborative. It was very, there was a lot of give and take. They, they gave me city names and, you know, a lot of plot hooks and we had a blast together. I'm still in touch with a lot of them. We're friends on Facebook. We talk about each other's kids' pictures on Facebook and stuff like that. So it's really nice. Um, I actually just joined with one of my original players. He's running a Tomb of Annihilation game. Um, right now, and I just joined on, so we're right on level one, heading to the island. Um, I'm pretty excited. I've never actually played in that. Of all of the adventure paths I've played, I've never played that one, so I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, I've never done a tomb game either, but I think it would be a lot of fun. 
everyone else seems to have done it. It's like the that and Curse of Strahd. Everyone and their everyone and their brother has played, but um, I've done Strahd, but I've never done Tomb of Annihilation. So I'm stoked to give it a try. Yeah. So you mentioned bumps in the road uh, a little bit ago in in running your games. So that's what the podcast, like at, at its core, is about. So tell us about some of the bumps in your road in your DMing journey and what you learned from them. I'll put it. I'll say this. There are definitely little bumps I, I learned along the way, especially in play by post with the asynchronous thing. It's really important to be friends with your players. You can't just have them be strangers online because it's not like a sit down game where you're with a bunch of buddies laughing and eating pizza. You know, most of us are, it's just screen names. Very rarely do people have their own faces on profile pictures. So it's really anonymous. It's really, you know, it can be really separated if you treat it only as a chance to play once in a while and then not really talk to each other. So a really active out of character chat, whether that's on discord, whether that's play by post, whether that's literally just going back and forth on messenger on Facebook, I've done with players talking to them like friends, you know, you, you they learn their real names and, and, you know, care about whether what their jobs are and their families that really hooks groups together. I've found, but the biggest misstep without a doubt was I just didn't know anything about asking for consent in storytelling. I'm one of those people who finds the darker the story, the more fun. I love, as I said, I loved Game of Thrones early on. I like Joe Abercrombie. I like Grimdark. I like, you know, I, I like those kind of stories and I don't feel troubled by them. So I arrogantly believed other people wouldn't either. I, I remember I had a, a character one time. It was a, a, a longtime player of mine. She had been in the game for about three years. She was playing a barbarian prince a couple lucky rolls from me should have killed him. Uh, and I and I thought, well, this would be a real shame. I'll do the nice DM thing. I won't talk to her about that I should be killing this guy. Instead, I'll just chop his hand off. Uh, that, that'll be, I'll, I'll maim him. I think, I'm thinking I'm the hero here. I'm thinking I'm doing a nice thing. And, you know, through through some direct messaging and through some some difficult chats, you know, it was revealed to me that that was really not okay with her and and it, it crossed you know it crossed a real lifeline it, it crossed a triggering line and I don't say this in my defense but to be fair this was probably 2013 and I don't even know that we used the word triggering then but I, I should have known I should have cared um, these people were my friends and we're still friends you know she still is nice to me we still talk to each other we're connected on Facebook but we've never gamed together again and I, I think I blew it there um, I think that she still likes me as a person but doesn't trust me as a as a role player um, and that sucks and that's on me um, and I, I have definitely tried to learn from that and grow from that but that is without a doubt I mean top of the line worst mistake I made was not realizing that just because I don't have a problem with something doesn't mean other people won't have a problem with something I just had to learn I think to your credit, it, it has changed and, you know, we've all been learning a lot about what kinds of things are appropriate and, and what kinds of things we should check with our players about before we throw it at them to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and safe and has a good time. Let's segue into play by post then. So you've mentioned it a few times. You've mentioned your site, thetangledweb.net, which is built around the idea of play by post. So yeah, for the uninitiated, tell us what it is and how you discovered it and how they can get into it. The easiest answer for play by post is that it's the exact same game as everybody else plays, but it's asynchronous. 
imagine if instead of sitting around a table with your buddies eating pizza and, and playing D&D, if one of your friends was in Indonesia and one of your friends was in New Zealand and one of your friends was in, you know, in um, Croatia, which my friends are, um, you can't all sit there. You're all asleep when other people are awake. It's impossible. I mean, it really would be nearly impossible to organize that schedule. So you simply do your turn. Whatever you would do in a tabletop role-playing game, you simply post your turn when you have time. Um, I, I <laughs> This is true. I have a, One of my friends is from New Zealand. She and I have played together in either games that I'm running or games that we're both players in nearly every day now for almost half a decade. And I don't think we've ever been awake at the same time. You post when you can. So it's asynchronous in the sense that whether you have, you know, you still have a dice roller, which we have, we still have character sheets, we still have a DM, we still have players, everything's the same. You can run adventure paths, you can do homebrew, you can do any system. It allows people with completely busy or conflicting schedules to get together. So without a doubt, I got into it not to be this, you know, cosmopolitan person making friends around the world. I got into it very selfishly. I got into it because I was having a baby and I was going to miss gaming and I wanted the chance to still play, but there was no way I was going to say, sorry, honey, I'm going to, you know, take this screaming infant for five hours. I'm going to go pretend to be an elf. It just wasn't going to fly. <laughs> it, just, it just wasn't. So I, I found the tangled web and I, I learned about play by post asynchronous gaming and uh, what is also kind of amazing about it, not, look, I'm not going to pretend there aren't other sites, and there are bigger sites, and there are wonderful communities out there that I've made a lot of friends on. TTW is my, my favorite and my original home, but there's a lot out there. And the great thing about them is they are free. The, the simple reality is, is as long if you have bought the player's handbook and you have access to the SRD or you're, you're, you know, you're playing off of drive-through RPG or whatever, you can play. Anybody can play, and it's a really nice feeling as a dad now of three, and yes, my life is a little calmer now that I don't have, you know, I'm not changing diapers and doing bottles, but I still would have a real hard time going and having a regular gaming night. I mean, I know parents do, and I'm not, not judging, but I'd much rather be able to do play-by-post when my kids are asleep and still be here to read Berenstein Bear books, still be here to tuck them in at night, and still be here to do that stuff. Like... It's been a great balance for my life in that way. And really, anybody can get into it. When you are playing play-by-post, do you feel like the game is just a little bit slower because it takes longer to get through everyone's decisions? And you mentioned also you can be in like a game every day, right? There's no doubt it's slower. And the truth is, is whether it's a novice player or whether it's a group that just hasn't found the right sort of gel, play-by-post can, can be a grind if you don't have some, some shortcuts. Loot distribution can be a nightmare. If people are going to spend a week arguing over a plus one short sword, you're not really going to remember what you were going to be doing. There are shortcuts that need to be made, and there are things that you have to adapt to with play-by-post. But exactly as you said, for most people, I think it's pretty common that if, they're, if you're in a face-by-face Dungeons & Dragons group, you probably play once a week, and maybe, maybe you can be in you know a couple different campaigns as a couple different characters. I'm probably playing six or seven different characters and stories right now, plus running my own game. Because, because play-by-post is slower and you post when you can, you generally, the etiquette generally, unless you tell people you're going to be away, is you post once a day. So about once every 24 hours, somebody will, will post. So in combat, it actually goes really quickly, I've found. People get really excited to roll dice, even if they are virtual dice. 
So combat moves pretty quickly and people will follow their initiative order and they'll get their turns right in. But it's the, it's the slower investigative part of role playing when you really need someone to move the story forward that things can grind. The best play by post GMs are people who post once a day, even if it's one sentence, even if it's okay, you turn left and there's a bunch of rocks. Now, what do you do? You got to give them something to do because if players feel like the ball's in their court, the best players will help you world build. The average player will feel like, well, you're the one telling the story. You're the one running the story. You got to tell me what to do. You know, got to tell me what's next. And it can really grind to a halt. So it very much helps to have a proactive GM and it very much helps to have a proactive group. You, if you're not going to be able to post in game, you post out of character and say, hey guys, you know, I got family coming into town this weekend. Look for me on Monday. Nobody minds that in the community. It's when people just ghost and drop that, that can be really hard and frustrating in that medium. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you talked a little bit about how you don't need much to start a game. You just need, you know, a player's handbook or, or a basic understanding of things. But uh, how can people get started playing on the tangledweb.net? You'd go to the tangledweb.net. You create your own unique username and login. It's entirely free. If you do become a member, you will see that we have a subscription option. But this probably isn't the best marketing on my part, but you really don't have to buy one. Um, we appreciate it if people do, but it simply cuts out any of the banner ads at the top and the bottom of the website, just like pretty much any other free website. Again, full disclosure, I was a free member the entire time I played at Tangled Web until I became an owner <laughs> last year. Um, and there, there is endless entertainment and free content that you really don't have to pay for. So somebody would go to the site, they would pick a username and login, and they would sign up. And there's a couple options there. You can immediately go to the games recruiting tab. It's on the right side of our of our homepage, and um, you can look at what games are currently open and recruiting. We recently had a D and D five E game uh, opened by a longtime member, where every character was going to be a wizard's familiar. The GM was going to be the wizard, and all the players were going to be familiars. And um, we've got one right now where uh, somebody is reworking the old. 80s cartoon Pirates of Dark Water into the 5e system. Got a couple Pathfinder 2nd Edition games going. You can play any system on our site, but we we tend towards the D&D and the Pathfinder systems because we have editable, auto-calculating character sheets for them, which is a real feather in our cap. As I mentioned, there are absolutely bigger, better-known play-by-post sites, but I think we are the first ones who have auto-calculating sheets. Um, most people have them where you can obviously edit the sheets, but Ours will do the math for you, which is always nice. And you can edit the backgrounds and the character pictures. They're, they're really cool sheets. They're pretty state-of-the-art. We just debuted them in mid-March, and they're pretty darn nice. So somebody would go, and they could sign up, and they could make a character sheet. We currently host D&D uh, 3.5 sheets, 5th uh, edition sheets, and both editions of Pathfinder. So you can make yourself a character sheet, and you can apply to the game. You can literally just post a message and say, Hi, I'm so-and-so, and I just joined the site, and here's, you know, I want to play this halfling cleric and here's my sheet what do you think the other option and the one i really recommend as somebody who's done this a long time is start your own game the best way to do play by post is to dive in because there are going to be times as a player where you are itchy and waiting for somebody to post and you're waiting to keep playing and the great thing about being the gm is you can always flesh out your world if you're bored and you have 10 minutes and that's all you have to game that day and there's nobody else online and ready to play with you 
bake up a new town, you design a new dungeon, you you know you make a list of NPCs that you didn't have before. It's so nice just starting your own game. And we do have a thread um, right on the site near the top um, of the page if you sign up on the Tangled Web. Um, right after the welcome new members thread is uh, how to start your own game. Um, so we have a step-by-step make your own forum, which is literally, you know, select make new forum and you get your own tag putting in tags for open recruitment and and selecting players so we try to make it as painless and step-by-step simple as possible for anybody to either join as a player or join as a gm do you find that a lot of the games last longer because people only have to commit so much time or or is it similar to in-person games where they may fizzle out but you find a new one more than anything else in play-by-post, even more than in-person gaming, I think it comes down to the GM. You know, if you're a group of friends and you have a less-than-perfect GM in person, you can get away with pizza and beer and laughter around the table and not really need somebody who's super good, <laughs> super good at it, although it obviously helps. Play-by-post, it will, the game will die if you have a GM who doesn't show up. You don't have to know all the rules. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to not make, you know, you don't have to be the have perfect grammar or spelling or any of that. If a game is like, you know, if suddenly a weekend goes by and then it's the middle of the week and there's no post from the GM and somebody, you know, posts a little bump, is anybody there? They start to just fade away. Um, you can always find a new player, even though I, I still preach that you want to be friends with your players and really make a connection there. You can always find a new player um, because they're simply are like in any other form of this hobby, there are always more players than GMs. That's the reality of TTRPGs. But in play-by-post, if you have a GM who is determined to keep that game going, it will keep going. Play-by-post, you got to double the time. Whatever you expect the amount of time to be in person, just, you know, multiply it by two for play-by-post. But as you said, you can play in multiple games as you go. So it's not quite as much of a grind waiting for that next adventure in Rise of the Rune Lords. If you're also playing Curse of the Crimson Throne and also a couple homebrew homebrew games too, it makes it so that you're constantly role-playing and adventuring rather than moving in fast bits, you know, for three hours on a Friday night and then waiting a whole other week to do anything else. While you have been running your games and play-by-post, what are some of the favorite encounters that you've designed or monsters that you've built or homebrewed, you know, things that you've used to challenge your players? My very favorite encounter ever to run is the assault on Fort Rannick in the Rise of the Rune Lords adventure path. I won't spoil the story for anyone who's never played it, but there's a there's a moment where you and your party needs to get into this fort, and there are no fewer than a dozen ways to do it. And I don't just mean like you could like you know go in the left door or the right door. I mean you could you could charm your way in, you could tunnel your way in, you could take a flight spell up to this you know iry nest and go down this back way. There are so many different ways to approach that adventure. My players were used a real mix of charisma skills and sneak attacks, and at one point used a dead ogre's body as a like human meat sheet, you know, a giant meat shield to try to like battering ram their way through this place. It was so fun and so unexpected. Even though it's an adventure path where, in theory, you know as a GM how it's supposed to end, you know what's supposed to happen. It was one of the moments running it where I genuinely had no idea what they were going to do next. I had no idea if it was going to work. I had no idea how I was going to react, and it was so unexpected. And it is a masterclass of game writing. I wish I could be that good, but you know, I'm not 
I, I'm not a professional game writer. I'm just a guy who thinks this is fun. But that's that's my favorite spot to ever run in a game. I, the, the assault on Fort Rannick is burned into my brain. I'll throw in one other one, too. This was as a player, but it's also in a in an adventure path. Um, the Curse of the Crimson Throne, um, another one of the uh, uh, Paizo APs, um, there's a rooftop chase scene where it's literally you sprinting across and jumping across roofs and doing all kinds of crazy dexterity and uh, dexterity and athletics checks. And it's essentially just a dice rolling marathon, but every single check finds you getting a little bit closer or falling behind and you really feel like you're there. I mean, it it seems so silly. You're just sitting there rolling, in our case, virtual digital dice, but I mean, I could really picture this, you know, monk getting caught up in its clothesline and, you know, just being, you know, a hair's breadth away from catching his, uh, catching his quarry and not making it. It was cool. Nice. Yeah, I, those, those kind of um, really dynamic encounters are always really interesting to me. I did a, um, a chase through an alleyway as part of a homebrew one time where they're trying to catch up and I was rolling dice to see randomly which way the, the people they were chasing were going to turn and then I would roll randomly to see what was in the alley like dumpsters or a clothesline or some guy with a cart you know and and yeah it's uh I love I love that kind of uh the tension that it builds anything else to add about play by post before we wrap up the main thing I would say is I'm I'm not so arrogant as to pretend that I know that play by post is, you know, a niche within a niche, right? We're we're a small percentage of the much larger tabletop role playing population. But I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive. Like while it's true that I don't have time for a 5-hour session now, you know, every week, there's probably a lot of people who play a 5-hour session who also are champing at the bit come Wednesday to play again and they have to wait until the weekend. Play by post can be a really good appetizer filler um, for folks who are much more comfortable in the in the in-person medium like you don't have to do one or the other you can very much have your regular character and you can cosplay and you can do the makeup and you can stream your you know things and and advertise it for guys like us on Twitter um, and you can do that on a, on a Saturday night but that doesn't mean you can't also hop into a play-by-post game on a Tuesday morning you know when you got 10 minutes before that next meeting at work it's it can fit into your time if you're interested in it. And um, I think a lot of people would be impressed by the quality and the depth of the role playing on it if they if they give it a shot. And I hope they do because there's literally nothing to lose because it's free. Winding down to the end here then, what are your parting words of wisdom and encouragement to new and aspiring DMs and GMs? And it can be for in-person, it can be for play-by-post, you know. Give, give us your sagest advice, most sage. What's the What's the correct version? I think you're right. I think it's sagest advice. If it's not, it should be. So, <laughs> I don't, you know, I won't pretend that I have the experience that so many others do with in-person gaming, but I do think that my advice can translate well beyond play-by-post. I don't think that this is anything else other than a hopefully a pretty good tip. I really think that when GMs complain about how players are going off the rails or or are, you know, aren't appreciating what they've created. I don't mean to sound dismissive or arrogant, but I think they're missing the point of the hobby we're doing. If you don't want players to break what you build for them, um, you probably should write a book. Because honestly, GMs who are worried about players breaking stuff kind of remind me of Lord Business at the end of the Lego movie. Like if you're super gluing the Lego city together and you're not playing with the Lego city, you kind of screwed up Legos. Um, and that's that's how I sometimes feel about it. When, when folks complain that 
you know, the players just didn't respect the direction of, you know, the story that I made for them. Well, yeah, but it's not your story. It's everyone's story. You know, if it was your story, you'd write a novel. But if you're playing a tabletop role-playing game, you're doing collaborative storytelling. So I really do think the, the best advice you can have is say yes and find a way to find a way to incorporate their ideas. It's, it's the reason why I suggested start with one hook. You don't have to build start to finish a world with every NPC named and every city's population and every magic shop's item list before you start playing. That stuff is not what makes this hobby fun. What makes this hobby fun is not knowing whether you're about to roll a 1 or a 20 and whether that dragon's going to eat you or not. The, the thrill of this is not knowing what the dice are going to say and not knowing what direction the story's going to go. So I would be very uncomfortable trying to be a GM who had a very fixed path for a story. For me, I want my story to be as flexible as the 20-sided die. I, I want 20 different possible outcomes to whatever we're about to, whatever crazy crap we're about to get up to. Um, to me, that's the most fun. And I think that's true on Play by Post or whether you're sitting around the table together. Yeah, I love that analogy of uh, the Lord business and the gluing Legos together. That is next level stuff. And of course, the teacher would, would come up with that. So that's well done. All right. So where can people find you, you know, on, on, on different social medias and where can they find the stuff that you're working on? I guess we've already talked about the, the website itself, but yeah. The main spot is going to uh, to sign up is thetangledweb.net. Um, again, we're, we'll leave the light on for you. You can sign up for free anytime. If you're looking for us on Facebook, um, we do have a Facebook page that's not updated all the time because people are mean on Facebook, but it is there in case users have any questions or want to find us. It's just called the Tangled Web. On Twitter, my handle is RolePlayToday, R-O-L-E, uh, RolePlayToday. I, I'm, I am the guy who runs the Twitter handle for the site. I picked it up um, January 1st of this year and have been running it ever since and had a blast and met a lot of cool people like you. So you can always reach us there. And we do have a very active Discord. Um, you, uh, you would have to join the site as a member. Um, but if you go to the tangledweb.net and you sign up, uh, we do have a link right at the bottom of the page with our other social media links to Discord. And there's a great Discord community. So you can chat on the forums with us. You can chat on Discord. You can find us on, on Twitter or Facebook. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Mike. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. You've made me consider uh, joining up uh, on a few games, you know, because I relate to the busy life, want to, you know, take a couple of minutes here and there to, to join in on something. Thanks so much and uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks again for doing this. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to How Not to DM. A couple of quick announcements and then we'll get to our featured DM War Story of the Week. If you have any questions for past guests on my show, join my Discord server. It's a great place to start a conversation about running the game with a lot of knowledgeable people. For 10% off your next Impulse Dice purchase, visit adventuredice.ca and use my code HN, the number 2, DM at checkout. They're based in Canada, so take advantage of the great exchange rate if you're from the States. Links to Adventure Dice and Discord are in the episode notes. Also, I've recently delved into D&D TikTok. You can find me there under at HN, the number two, DM. Let's get to our DM war story. This story comes from Neil, who is at Earth on Twitter. That's F-E-Y-E-A-R-T-H. Here's his story. In the final battle of the campaign, it was looking bad for the party. The big bad evil gal was a powerful sorcerer. She had just killed the favorite NPC, and my players were not doing good. Suddenly, the glass window next to the big bad evil gal 
shattered, and in leapt the character of a player who had left the game over a year previously. She had left due to work, but had recently said she wanted to return, so we planned her surprise entry into the battle at a climactic moment. With the entry of their beloved friend, the tide of battle suddenly shifted from certain doom to hope, and my players were victorious. An amazing end to an arc they ran for over two years. Wow, that's an awesome story, Neil. I love when you can write in someone who comes and and makes a triumphant return, and especially in this case where it was a player character, instead of like an NPC who shows up and solves the problem that they're experiencing. So this is a, a very unique thing that happened, but I love a good epic end to a story. So thanks for sharing, Neil. If you've enjoyed our show, please share it with your friends and family around your table. Another great way to support the show and help me find new ears is by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's go ahead and wrap things up. My intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin, aka one half of Mr. Tape. If you like house music, check out Mr. Tape on Spotify. I hope you all have a fantastic week, and as always, until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.